Thanks, Stephen. Feel welcome. God bless you. God bless you. Some of you think I didn't think church could be this much fun, did you? We've had a great time. My wife Helen has come with me today. We travelled up from Cardiff. Uh, we come, according to the Cardiff Church, to kidnap Kevin and take him back down to Cardiff. Uh, at least that's what they'd like. But I said I wouldn't do that because I love this church so much and we're honoured to be here today. Uh, and so thank you for inviting us. But I do think I owe you an apology. All of you have taken effort to get dressed up today and... Where is mine? I blew it really, didn't I? Mark must have told me, uh, but maybe I just didn't see it. Or I just thought maybe you guys aren't going to do anything and I'm going to turn up in fancy dress and you're all going to be there. But actually, it's the other way around today. But this is what, I don't know if we could show the slide, this is what my wife and I were thinking. We were, as people living in Wales... We thought we would go for the, the leek and the daffodil look, uh, but I did also have a concern that maybe somebody preaching with you in a daffodil outfit may not be quite as serious as you might want on a Sunday morning. And I know how prolific Mark is on social media, and I knew that, that, that those pictures couldn't stay between us, that the world would see, and I, I, just, I just bottled it, really, if I'm honest. So anyway, it's great to be with you to celebrate the nations and uh, to celebrate celebrate church and all that God has done. He is the reason we're here today. All the honor, all the glory belongs to him. And uh, Mark, in uh, some of the things I do remember about my conversation with Mark, is Mark said, could you just help to introduce this new series that you have regarding the church? And so that's my delight to do that this morning. So we're going to read to, uh, together from Acts chapter 2. If you have a Bible, uh, either a paper one, remember these ones, uh, and, uh, but you may well have a, a smartphone with your Bible on it or a tablet or something, and uh, we'd love you to look at that. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, just in case it differs from yours uh, in some way. So this is what I read in Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 42-47. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. That sounds familiar, like Mark was saying earlier. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. I think we've had a bit of that today, and I'm looking forward to sharing the jerk chicken with you later on. Uh, And all the while, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Can you say amen to that? Father, right now we thank you for this wonderful day of celebration where your family has got together 
And uh, some of us are new to the family, and some of us are just still even, you know, looking at the family and wonder whether we want to be a part of this family. Others, like Dave, have been a part of the family for 40 years. Uh, but Lord, we thank you that we're all together, and that you're our Father. And um, we ask that you'd speak to us, Heavenly Father, right now. In the stillness of this moment, or these moments, would you speak? Lord, I pray you'd speak to the one that's like Dave, been here 40 years and knows the Bible inside out. And I also pray that you'll speak to somebody who doesn't really know one end of the Bible from the other, and that's okay. But I pray today that you would just have a word for them too, that you might sneak up on them and uh, reveal yourself in a way that they can understand. In Jesus' name, amen. A number of years ago, there was a, a program on TV called House Doctor. And uh, yeah, somebody's remembered. We're good, we're good. Two of us know about this program called House Doctor. Recently, I believe it was uh, relaunched and repackaged on Channel 5. That's probably why I haven't seen it. Uh, and maybe you haven't either. But some of you might be familiar with the House Doctor. The House Doctor uh, is an American Californian lady called Anne Maurice. Excuse me. Uh, she, she, her title is that she is a Californian real estate stylist. She's a real estate stylist. To you and me, that's an interior designer. And the program is one where uh, Anne comes alongside people that have been trying to sell their house for a number of months. They may have had some viewers come and look, but they've not received an offer for their house and they need to sell the house. And so what would you do in that instance? Well, of course, if you had access to the house doctor, you'd ask the house doctor to come to your home. And so she comes in, she chats to the, the people, and she said, I know what we're going to do. We're going to, firstly, we're going to film some people that have come to view your house, and we're going to find what they really think about it. So they, they get these um, uh, CCTV cameras all over the house, and um, they film the comments that those viewers make when there's no estate agent and the owner is not around. So you hear such things as, oh my goodness, have you seen that carpet? That is terrible. Or the kitchen looks like a bomb's just dropped on it. Or the garden, wow, it looks like a jungle. You know, you hear these very honest comments that people are making. I'm sure they do know they're being filmed, but they're not holding back in any way. And then the house doctor shows the CCTV footage to the owners of the house. And they hear the comments. Oh my gosh! The, the the kitchen looks like a bomb city. The you know the carpet in the in the in the lounge. Oh, that's terrible! And they hear it back, and obviously they're suitably shocked and a little bit angry at times as well. But before the the program gets out of control, the house doctor then jumps in and says, "Hey, I can help you." And she says, "If I can, uh, if you will follow my advice, I guarantee that we'll get this house sold for a really good price." And of course. She's got their attention, hasn't she? You know, if you're trying to sell your house, you're going to take every bit of advice you can. And just in case you're trying to sell your house at the moment, and this might be helpful for you, these are the things that, at least on one or two of the programs I saw, that she advised everybody to do. Number one, paint your house some form of off-white color throughout the whole house. Okay? It's all got to be like a beigey color. Just do that. And uh, that's the first step. Number two is remove all evidence that anybody lives in this house. 
So it's going to be so tidy, it's going to be like a show home from a new development. So remove all human interference from this house. Number three, put candles and flowers and smelly things, nice smelly things, all over the house and take the dog to a kennel. Okay, you know, not the kennel at the bottom of the garden, just remove the dog out of the scene, cute as it might be, and, and that's it. And then she says this, and this is the, the key thing from the house doctor, okay, just in case you're, you're interested. What this house needs is a wow factor. And they go, oh, a wow factor. I thought it had a wow factor. Yeah, it's got a bad wow factor, but we're talking about a good wow factor, okay? And then she begins to describe, hey, look, it could be a beautiful kitchen. It may be that you've got a peaceful garden. It might be, I don't know, you've got a luxurious bathroom or a lovely fireplace. Something that when people come in through the door, they go, wow, I must have this house. I must buy it. And you've seen the programs that are similar to this. And so that's what they do. Well, usually, and or it makes for a good program, the people go, oh, okay, then, okay, even if they're a bit skeptical. So they paint the house off-white, they remove all evidence that anybody lives there, they get rid of the dog, and they make lots of candles and flowers all over the place, and then they invite the same people that have made bad comments, and they come in and they film them again without the estate agent, without the owner around, and you hear comments like, Wow, literally, wow. I can't believe this is the same place. I can't believe, look at that kitchen. That is to die for. I must have. And they're literally, at the end of the program, queuing up, wanting to make an offer. Why? Because the house has got the wow factor back. And the only problem is that now the owners see how beautiful their house is. They don't want to sell anymore. Why am I telling you all of that this morning? I believe in my heart very much that God wants to restore the wow factor back to his church. That in this nation, that I just want to repeat it, God wants to re- uh, restore more and more and more and more the wow factor back to his church. That not the, the, you know, the, the, the decor looks great, although it really does look great in here. But the things that Dave talked about, the signs, the wonders, the miracles, the things that will really make people go, wow, God's in the house. And I believe, and you can come back to me in days to come, I believe that's the journey the church in the UK is on right now. That we are saying, God, thank you for all you've done, but we need more. We need more of you. We need more of you. My prayer and Helen's prayer as we're with you uh, these days, uh, this day, these days. We're not going to stay for a week or anything like that. Um, welcome, relative. No, no, we're here just to visit. Uh, but we just want to encourage you and we want to pray. God, could you increase what you're doing? And you are doing a great job. I love Mark and Kathy, Kevin and the team, Nick. And we just want to cheer you on and go, well done. I think the Lord would say today, well done. Keep going. You're doing great. But there is more. There is more of me to be experienced. You know, we're not saying, can we have it like it was 40 years ago in the city hall? We're saying we want a 2019 version. But Lord, what we want is for you to show up. We want you to come in power. We want deaf ears to be opened on a regular basis. We want blind eyes to come open. We want wheelchairs to be left at the door on the way out because people don't need them anymore. We just want you to come. Why not so that we can have a great church, but your fame can spill out of this place into the city. And we're not just praying it for here. We're praying it for other churches and for Ward End. That God will do something great. Why not?
why not? Why not? He's going to do something. God, it's an exciting season. I catch that passion, and I pray God will really bless you. There's some of you have been praying uh, for many, many years, and uh, the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. But I'm saying I believe that those prayers are beginning to be answered. And some of you have been really faithful, and some of you are wondering, oh, hang on a second, is ever th- anything ever going to change? But I do think we're on the verge of something here uh, that is going to be significant. And it's not just about more people coming in, but it's about more of an impact in the community around you. So I think God will want to say to you today, well done. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for praying. Thank you for sticking in there when it might have been easier, I'm suspecting, to kind of go, should we go somewhere else? But I believe God's going to reward that faithfulness and there's going to be new days. And what God does here is going to spill over. And I think also there's some things that are kind of come from your church that will help this church. It's it's a two-way street. And you might think, well, we're only a small number and they've got thousands. But no, it's going to be, there's going to be some mutual uh, benefit from coming together. There's going to be some mutual benefit from coming together. And that might not be obvious right now, but something's going to happen. God's going to unlock something here because of their partnership with you. And this place is going to go to the next level because of that. And I guess you are too. So um, be encouraged. Anyway, that's not exactly what I was coming here to say, but maybe God wanted to encourage you with that. And so I, I want to say today, my, my question is, and the, the title I have is Restoring the wow factor, restoring the wow factor. Um, we believe, and we've read it, the early church had the wow factor, did they not? They really did have the wow factor. And uh, we're going to look at that passage, particularly Acts chapter 2, 43. And we're going to try and just glean from that. What are the evidence of the wow factor in church? And uh, we're going to do that. And I think if the wow factor is going to come back to the church, then we're going to need a couple of things to happen. Number one, we're going to need the presence of God to come even more fully into this place. Now, you might think, well, I've come this morning and I, you know, I don't know, when they were worshipping, maybe you're new to church. I, I just felt a little bit uneasy, or I may have felt a funny you know, feeling in my stomach, or I was getting goosebumps as they led us in worship. Friends, you might say, well, I, I don't know what that is. What is it? And I believe that's an evidence of the presence of God, that, that a God is, is trying to show to you that he's real, that he is here. There was a lady in our church in Cardiff, which I used to lead, and I used to love it when she visited the family, because at the door after the service, she'd usually be crying. She wasn't a regular churchgoer, and she'd come, and she seemed to enjoy the service, and as she left, she'd be crying, and then we would have a little bit of banter together, a bit of a joke together, and i said, oh, I'm sorry you're crying. Uh, the service or the sermon wasn't that bad, was it? And she'd laugh it off, and she'd say this, Steve, whenever I come to this church, I don't want to do it, but I have to put a handkerchief in my handbag because I know that I'm going to start crying and I don't know why. And I was able to tell her, I just sense that is God showing you that he loves you, that he cares for you, that he knows you. And that's what I'm talking about, that God is going to increase that his presence. Uh, Acts 2.43 says this, and all the believers met together. Uh, Sorry, let me just read all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Sorry, no, verse 43, I can't even read my own Bible. A deep sense of awe came over them all, 
And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. I want us to just pick up on that one word there. Well, there are two words. Number one, everyone. Somebody say, or everybody say, everyone. Everyone was filled with awe. Not just the guys in the first three rows, the keenies, but everyone was filled with the Holy uh, was, was, was filled with awe at what God's doing. If you look at the original text and the Greek language, which uh, was the original text of the New Testament, it's the word phobos, from which we get the word phobia. Literally, it would mean fear. And everyone was filled with fear. Well, that doesn't sound very good, does it? Or very attractive. But no, there's something special about this kind of fear because it's a fear of God. It's the fear of the awesome presence of God. That the, the, they didn't know what God was going to do next. There was such a sense, a tangible sense of his reality amongst their gatherings. And they wouldn't have been as big a gathering as this. But there was such a sense of awe and the fear of God. And it gripped their hearts. If you chase, uh, sort of look at other references in the New Testament to that word, you'll come across it a few times. Matthew chapter 14, 26 says, When the disciples saw him, that's Jesus, walking on the lake, they were terrified. So there's a situation that Jesus is, is without a boat, so you don't need one, so he starts to walk upon the water in the night. And the disciples see him walking on the water. And what happens? They're terrified. They are terrified. The word there, again, is, it says they're terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. There was a holy sense. The word fear is the word phobos, the one that's translated awe. There was a holy sense of awe. Somehow, Jesus had come, and they'd they'd been with him a fair while now, and they got to know him. But there were times when Jesus did things, and it was almost like he just lifted the veil of his divinity, of his, uh, of his, his majesty, and they were fearful. I wonder whether in our Elim churches we've lost a little bit of the fear of an awesome God. And I, I, I love aspects of our worship. You know, I'm, I'm into it. But at times I think, God, would you show up? Would you give us a little bit more, a glimpse of your power and your majesty. Anybody else think that? And that's not to critique anything or um, criticize. It's just almost to say, yeah, yeah, in all that we enjoy, Lord, could you just come? Could you come? Because without you, we need you to do miracles. We need you to show up. We roll out today the red carpet of honor to you. And Lord, we don't mind if we're on our knees or on our faces crying out to you. Because Lord, we just want you. And there is that sense in the early church. That honor, that respect for Jesus. You see in other uh, verses as well in Mark's Gospel chapter 39. When Jesus calms 
the waves. Remember that stormy night on the Sea of Galilee that Jesus is asleep in the boat. These, the disciples think they're going to drown. This storm that's come up suddenly, the waves are coming over the boat and they think they're they're going to drown. So they wake Jesus up, and he's not too thrilled to be woken up, I don't think. And he said, in verse um, 39 of Mark 4, it says this, He, Jesus, got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. The, the literal meaning there is, be muzzled like a dog. He speaks to the wind and says, be muzzled. Then the wind died down. And it was completely calm. And then verse 41, the reaction of the disciples is what? They were terrified. Why were they terrified? Because they thought they were going to drown. They were terrified about that a few minutes ago, but this is a greater level of terror. And it's the fear of the Lord. They, They can't get their heads around this Jesus. He speaks to the winds and the waves. And they obey. And the power comes. And they go, wow. Like Peter in the boat on another occasion, my Lord and my God. That the only posture that is suitable in moments like that is my Lord and my God. In other words, I think they were terrified because why they, they had a glimpse of divinity and majesty and they thought they were going to die. It's like the Isaiah 6 moment. Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the glory of the Lord and they think they're going to die. I don't know about you, but there's a craving in my heart for more people to come to know Jesus Christ. And I think the more that he comes, the more that he comes in his presence and and we can control that there's not an abc that i can give you that says do this do this do this and that and you'll get this he's god and he does what he wants it's like the wind he blows wherever he wants to but i believe what we can as a people as a church maybe in this season say god we want more of you lord we're hungry for more of you lord we want the awe and wonder to come we want you to come We want an outbreak of your presence. Lord, we roll out the red carpet in this season and we say, would you come? Would you come and meet with us? Would you come and... Would you just come and have your church? Lord, come and have. Come and meet with us. We love you so much. So number one, I I guess we're all agreeing, at least I hope so, we need his presence. We need his presence. We need his presence. If we're going to get the all back, we're going to need the presence of God to come into the room. That's what we need. That's what we need. Number two, we need his power. That, that same verse says the same thing. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Some people say, well, a miracle can't be a miracle. There's a lot of them because it becomes commonplace. But the, the book of Acts doesn't seem to have that problem. That they were still miracles even though they were commonplace. But miracles became commonplace. Wonders became commonplace. Deafness being healed became commonplace. Lame people walking became commonplace. I think the the disciples were known as the people to see if you had a frailty and infirmity. And obviously they didn't have the great NHS that we've got, but, but the church. And it wasn't just about coming to the building. The people were empowered to take 
Jesus with them. The presence of God just wasn't limited to a place like in the Old Testament, but the people carried it with them. With them, remember them healing people with the shadow. Such was the presence of God that Peter's shadow, even as he passed by, was healing people. That's incredible. So it's not just we're in here, although I believe God does want to show up in here in new ways and exciting ways, but also he wants to touch our hearts so much that we carry that presence wherever we go. And for some of you who are nurses and doctors, wouldn't that be amazing? To walk through the hospital and see people begin to to be healed. Or in the office, or in the factory, or in the university, the school, that, that we actually begin to pray for people and... Just like Dave testified about the little boy in this church who got healed of deafness, that those things become commonplace. Friends, I, I, I've experienced myself just little odd bits through the years. Now and again, we touched something of the presence of God. I'll tell you what, when God shows up, nobody wants to go home. I remember being in a meeting a few years ago where I wasn't conducting the meeting. Uh, other people, I was just uh, uh, sitting in the congregation like you are today. And uh, they prayed for a lady and they called her to the front and somebody had a word about, of knowledge about a lady with a, one leg longer than the other. And there was a significant difference in the two. And bless her, she was so hungry to be healed that she put herself right up there in front of everybody. They brought her to the front of the church and they started to pray with her and her leg grew. her leg grew (laughs) her leg grew there was a sense of awe in the house like whoa did you just I'm like did you just and do you know what happens in those places nobody's going wow that woman that man they're really powerful they're going God's in the house God's in the house God's in the house Nobody wanted to go home. I think the meeting started at 7 in the evening. It finished 11 in the evening because they just wanted to close the building down. Nobody wanted to go home. Why? Because God had come. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. I guess there could be a sense of, yeah, yeah, Steve, we all want that. I guess the majority in this room. How are we going to do that? How does that work? As I said, I don't have the the ABC of how to do this. But I do think it's worth, and I'm sure you'll come back to this, uh, I'll be almost sure, over the next few weeks and months, uh, the rest of the words. You can just read that verse in uh, isolation. You read what comes before it. In verse 42 of Acts chapter 2, what will you read? You'll hear this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. You know, what, what, what created the atmosphere for God to come in awesome power and wonder and presence? I believe it was some simple things. They devoted themselves to learning more of God's word. And we can do that, can't we? Notice the word devoted. Notice the word all or everyone, all of them, all the believers, not just some, but all, all of them devoted themselves. That's a strong word, isn't it? Devoted. They loved it. They were passionate about it. The apostles' teaching, the fellowship, we'll come back to that in a moment, but they, they loved the gathering of God's people, of the mutual giving and receiving of, 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 of love, support, and all that goes with that. The fellowship was key. 
then hospitality, including the Lord's Supper. And some of you are thinking, that hasn't got that in my way. They talk about the Lord's Supper, but we have to remember that the Lord's Supper in, in the first century uh, early church wasn't just something they did on a, a Sunday morning occasionally when they had you know, the white cloth, as they do in many Elam churches, and, and, and cubes of bread and wine. We're not just talking about that. It was always or mostly taken in the context of a, a meal. So uh, over the hot dogs, they break bread together and remember what Jesus had done. That's quite interesting, isn't it? Why? Because there was no separation between one and the other. That the, the God was a part of everything that they were doing. And that is, if they met together, if they had their friends around from um, you know, the, the, the setting of meeting, the, what we would now call the church, it would be very natural for them amongst the meal, amongst everything else they were eating, to break bread together and remember what Jesus had done. And they devoted themselves to those things. Finally, they devoted themselves to prayer. And as a result, a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among them. I wonder how devoted I am to the Word of God. Not just to Mark's teaching or the leadership team here. We have a plethora of books, of online resources. We can be so well fed. Obviously, we have to pick the right ones. I'm sure the pastoral team will guide you about some things that will nourish you and feed you in your Christian walk and experience. But we are blessed. But yet, so often we neglect. We put this book or the app back in its place at the end of a Sunday and between now and next week. But God wants his word to be read. He wants us to be hungry to know more. He wants us to love meeting together. Not just because it's convenient with us, but because there's a conviction. I'm going to come next Sunday and the one after because I'm convinced that I need to be there. I need to be there for my benefit, but I believe I've got something to give as well that can encourage the church. Do you believe that? That you're not just a spectator. There's something for you to do. God's got work for you to do. So don't believe the lie that you can't do anything, you've got nothing to offer, uh, that in a big church like this you can just sit wherever you sit. I was going to say the back, but I didn't want to get people there. But you know, I'm just going to hide away. God's got something for you to do. And as you give it, the church grows, and you grow, and maybe the presence of the Lord increases because we're all together in this. We're not just cheering these guys on here at the front that are more involved than we are. We're involved. And if it means we're you know, doing some menial tasks, we're involved. And in so doing, we're serving Jesus with our whole heart. And we're saying, would you come, God? Would you come? Would you fill this house with a new sense of awe? Would you pour out your spirit? And I'm going to be in a shareholder in that. Would you come? So I just want to encourage you with that. Also, I'm hearing those. I'm sure we'll come back to them. But we're going to prioritize. Maybe you need, maybe I need to say, hey, look, God, would you help me? My Bible reading has become a bit of a joke. I just, just do it when I fancy it. But God wants you to, to get his word. It's his living word. It's his living word. Let it come inside you. If you're not a good reader, get it, you know, in an audio form and listen to it as you go around. I don't care. Just get this word inside your heart. You know, if you're struggling to understand it, there's some really helpful teaching out there that can help you understand his word. So there's loads of resources. Devote yourself, commit yourself to the fellowship. Commit yourself to to sharing the Lord's Supper, bringing Jesus and what he's done on the cross into every situation. And number two, to prayer.
and to pray, God, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you know where I am at the moment? I believe God's nailing me about my prayer life. And I'm saying this because you can, you, can, you can hold me accountable if you want, but I want to grow in the place of prayer. I thank you for all I am, but I, I, just, I just know God's got more. And I know that I need more of his power because I can't do it on my own. I thank you for the journey, but there's a hunger in my heart. And as I travel in this new role, I'm seeing that God is raising up a new energy in prayer. Did you know now that there's 24-7 prayer ministry in over half the nations of the world? God is moving in prayer. And before I think he does anything else, he often causes his people to pray individually, corporately. And I think there's something about that happening in our world today. I'm very quick. I just want to just carry on finally, just to kind of close it all off. So those are our priorities. Also, you read on verse 44, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. There was radical generosity. And I know this church is on that journey of generosity. It's the heart of God. It's the Bible basics of Christianity. It's not an add-on. It's right there. And it created, helped to create an atmosphere where our, our generosity invited and drew the attention of a generous God. It's all there. They shared together. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper. There's a repetition there. And shared their meals with great joy and generosity. The word comes up. There's three times it says they shared, they shared, they shared, they shared, they shared, they shared, they shared. You don't have a lot. You don't need a lot to share. You do need a heart to share. You need a generous heart. A generous heart. And God blesses it. And he will use you. And then let's just finish off the word. Um, all the while praising God. So praise is right there. They're a praising church. Maybe I can go to the last. So let's just finish this off. They were praising. They, and sorry, All the while praising and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. There the favour was on them, even from those outside. That they have favour in the city and favour in the town, and favour in their family, even from people that weren't believers. You know what? When God comes, favour comes, and doors begin to come open for us that we couldn't imagine. And finally, what happens? And each day, it says this, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Amen? Notice who's doing the adding? Not the evangelists, not you and me, but the Lord added to the church, those who were being saved. Every day, God's using, you know, this person over there and that person over there, and then we gather and then somebody else is coming to know Jesus Christ. There's a favor on them, even though the Bible says they were scared and apprehensive because the awe of God was so great in their midst. And yet, hundreds and thousands over a relatively short pace of time, were added to the church. Amen? I wonder if you'd stand with me right now. No, don't do that just yet. But do it in terms of response. But if you're saying, God, I want to be somebody who is passionate and devoted to these things that we've been looking at. I think I've got them lifted here right now. If you, on the final slide, have we got that there? I'm going to be devote myself to fellowship, to learning, to fellowship, to hospitality, prayer, generosity, and pray. Would you help me? 
because I want to see your kingdom come. If that's your prayer right now, you know, before God, you're saying, I'm not saying I can grow in all of those all at once, but Lord, one of those you're putting on my heart today and I want to grow in it. Would you stand with me? I'd love to pray for you and pray with you. Father, thank you today that you are the Lord of the church. It is your church, not ours. And I pray for these precious people that are stood before me right now. I pray that you would inspire them with your spirit today. Lord, that we'll not just be hearers of the word and then forgetters of the word, but that we'll be doers of your word. And I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would quicken the seed that has been planted out of your word today. And Lord, they will bring fruit and and, uh, growth and life. And I pray, Lord, that in this season, I ask that you would bless this house with the fear of the Lord and with signs and wonders and miracles. Lord, we know we can do those on our own, but we're asking, would you grace this place? Would you grace these gatherings? Would you grace these people as they leave this place with those things too? That they'll be carriers of your awe and your presence and your power, and that they'll come back daily and weekly with stories of what you've done. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Thank you.